Hello and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic film and we give it a fresh review. These are films that have kind of fallen into our movie dictionary as go-tos for when we want to reference something. You know, classic films like uh, Gone with the Wind, which I hate. Or, um, what's another one that we reference all the time? Steve? Oh, a classic movie that you hate? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't have to be one that I hate. That list is long. Anyone well, that's been listening to this podcast knows that know that I seemingly hate everything. How, well, how about one that you don't hate that we've talked about, which is uh, Citizen Kane? Okay, yeah, Citizen Kane, that's a good example. We take classic films, films that are at least ten years old, and we just take a look at it, see how they hold up, and see if our perspective on those films have changed from the first time we saw them. I know that that's happened with Steve on, on several films. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And this time around, we are going to be taking a look at that classic... Is it a classic? It came out in 95. Well, kind of, I guess. Oh, definitely a joke that had a catchphrase in it that everyone used as a punchline. And continue, I guess continue to use it as a punchline. It's a little movie called Apollo 13. The, uh, the 13th we, film in the long-running Apollo series. <laughs> I remember Apollo 1. It was so fresh and so new. <laughs> Apollo 13, jeez Louise. They were fighting mutant uh, cows on the planet yeah. Jupiter. They totally oh. gone off the rails by that point. Exactly. Now, Apollo 13 is about that failed moon landing. You know, remember when they they took some astronauts and they shoved them into a tiny can and they launched them out into space and... Then the uh, broke that thing, and they Remember? almost and they almost died, and, and the they world... almost died. But then they came back, and the world was all like, "Woohoo!" And Everybody... then they canceled the Apollo program. <laughs> they, well, they they went what four more? They went times, four I more. Think, yeah. After that? yeah, yeah. Um, it's that movie, guys. Directed by Ron Howard, produced by Brian Grazer, screenplay by William Broyles Jr. and Al Rainert, based on the uh, book. Um, Lost Moon by uh, Jim Lovell, who, who is one of the characters in the movie. Imagine that. And oh. uh, Jeffrey Kluger, starring Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, Bill Paxton, Gary Sinise, Ed Harris, um, Ron Howard's brother, you know, the ugly one, the one that, you, you know, you're like, oh, at least he's still getting work. That one, <laughs> he, he was in the original Star Trek yeah. and played that creepy little alien that loved Tranya. Remember him? Can we do that? Can we review that? <laughs> we'll just do that episode. Please. Um... Uh, music by James Horner. Cinematography by... I'm doing all of them. I'll read all the credits. Key grip. <laughs> you clicked uh, show all credits on IMDb, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm roped into it. I've got to read them all. Um, uh, I'm going to get... You know what? I'm going to start including edited by because I... And this is... this is I'm being serious. Editors do not get enough credit for the work that they do. I agree with that. And are largely responsible for the overall look and tone of a film. And any good director that has made a movie that you like usually has a go-to editor that they you depend on to either catch their mistakes <laughs> or come up with better ways to cut a film. And you know what? And Editors are usually thought of as being in the technical category, not the artistic mm-hmm. category in award shows. And that, and that is, that is bullshit. bullshit. That is yeah. bullshit, absolutely. Editors are just as important as art directors and uh, cinematographers and the director. And they are responsible. They Sometimes they're responsible for the tone of the film. 
I mean, if you'd let Alfred Hitchcock edit that shower scene from Psycho, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Way different. Why does Alfred Hitchcock have five cameos in that, in that shower scene? <laughs> um, let's see. So, the edited by Daniel P. Hanley and Mike Hill. It was produced by Imagine Entertainment, distributed by Universal Pictures, and it came out in June, uh, June 30th, 1995. Um... And it, uh, what was the budget? It was budgeted $52 million, and it made $355 million, which made it a big hit. And lots of people went out to see it, and because of one titular line that was on all the posters, everyone started using that line that I refused to use during this review. (laughs) (laughs) It refers to a particular city in Texas... Oh, God damn it! don't even mention it. I don't even <laughs> want to look at it sideways. Let's just say that it got overused. It yes. got overused by people with no sense of humor to pretend like they have a sense of humor. Oh, yeah, it was one of those. It, oh, anyway. Um, it was definitely the life is like a box of chocolates of 1995, so we can blame Tom Hanks for both of those. Yeah, so, you know what? He double-dipped, dude. Yes, he triple-dipped. <laughs> Is there a movie after this where he got another one, or did he never... I don't never know. Made? I don't know if there's another one where he got a catchphrase. No. How about Earn This and Saving, Saving Private oh, Ryan? that was on t-shirts. <laughs> the, the late night comics were were ringing that bell No, but I mean, incessantly. dude, he got... There's no crying in baseball. Oh, that's true. He yeah. got all the crap from Forrest Gump, and he got this line from Apollo 13. And honestly, if you people have no idea what line we're talking yeah. about... I'll let Steve say it. I'm going to plug my ears. It's on the poster, but Houston, we have a problem. Okay. I said it. Oh, thanks. I said it, Jason. Okay. All right, good. Um, So let's recap the plot. Steve, (laughs) you start. All righty. Well, we actually begin not with the Apollo 13 mission, but with the night of the moon landing of the Apollo 11 mission. Uh, where everybody has gathered at Jim Lovell's house. Jim Lovell is the hero of the piece, played by Tom Hanks. As we mentioned, he wrote the book that the story is mostly based on. Uh, Everybody's at Jim Lovell's house to watch the Apollo 11 landing. A bunch of the astronauts and their families and Jim Lovell's kids, who are really only in the movie to just remind us occasionally that this is the 60s. (laughs) And they cry. And they cry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're watching the moon landing and everybody's all sort of in awe. There's there's a really nice sense of, like, the gravity of the moon landing, how important it is. And mm-hmm. uh, Jim Lovell can't wait to get up there himself because he's slated to be the commander of, at this point, Apollo 14 is, is to right. be his mission. Uh, yeah. And he goes out and makes out with his wife in the backyard while he blots out the moon with his thumb. And right. He seems That's like a he... creepy image, by the way. That is just, it is like, I have command of the universe. <laughs> Come to me, woman. <laughs> Come watch as I blot out the, I blot out blot the light out the from moon. the moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like he was blotting out the moon with his thumb, and then he thought, damn, I'm horny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? I, I Wasn't there a thing about a lot of people getting pregnant the night that... Uh, we landed on the moon. Yes, yes. Was there? It was. It I was, was very two weeks inspiring. old. I was two weeks old when when we landed on the moon. I remember it well. <laughs> I remember the big people being really excited about something. Of all the things that I was alive for, that I wish I was aware of, 
that's one of them. I oh, wish sure. I wish I could have been aware of the landing of the moon landing. It's just you know. Oh yeah, it's one of those things. I was well, technically alive. That's like that. Whenever people ask you that that stupid question, like if you could live in any other time other than the time it's your own life, I, my my answer is always the '60s, and it's always because of the space program. Like I I don't care about the music or the social unrest or the political change. I just want to see <laughs> the fucking space program. You just want to do the still legal drugs. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. And you heard it was easy to bang hippie chicks. Sex which and drugs. Apparently it was. <laughs> in a consequence-free environment. That's what I would All like. you had to do was go to go to Haight-Ashbury and say, hey, I have food. And people, <laughs> people be all over you. You were a god. I, I'm one of those people where when, when people ask me, hey, wh- what era do you want to live in? I'm like, this one. Oh, yeah. Are you insane? Everything else sucks. I don't believe in this over-romanticized vision that people have of the past. Like, people say, oh, I, I wish I could live in the Edwardian era with all the costumes <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the parties. And I said, what makes you think, number one, that you'd be one of those people? Yeah. And number two... You could still die of God knows how many diseases, and the only cure was some dude showing up putting leeches on you. Yeah. No, I don't. Mm-mm. What they no. really mean is they would like to live as a character in like a Merchant Ivory movie. They they wouldn't really want to actually be alive in that real historical. They want to live it, if Disneyland open Edwardian world, <laughs> and they could go dress up and have their little tea and cucumber sandwiches and and. You know, laugh politely at the rapscallion on a horse that came by and <laughs> pretend to die of consumption every evening and then be able to go to the bathroom in a regular toilet and be clean and sanitary and bathe every day. That's what they want. Um, we're reviewing a This is a space uh, movie, movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the late 1960s. Right, uh, right, right. Yeah, so so there's the first scene is the party at the Apollo 11 landing. Oh, well, don't they remind us that a bunch of people died? Oh, that's right. There is. The yeah, I forgot beginning. about that. There's there's a prologue about Apollo One. Yeah, Walter uh, Cronkite. Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite. Narrating to the remind tragedy. you that people died in a thing where there's a fire and they couldn't get out. And now on to the movie. <laughs> Tonight's <laughs> they didn't movie. Build the door Apollo right. thirteen. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, there's the Apollo 1 prologue, then the party at Jim's house, and then some time goes... Oh, for the people who don't know what the Apollo 1 is, is yeah. three astronauts died in a test. It was a uh, it was a run-through. They had guys in the capsule, yeah. and um, the interior of the cabin caught fire, and three dudes died. Yeah, three... Uh, I guess, three, to put two, in yeah. the... Yeah, to put in the Gus, Gus Grissom, White, and Chappie died. Yeah. Yeah. Not not the robot from the movie. <laughs> Chaffee. Chaffee with <laughs> Chaffee an F. Yeah. with an F, right. How dare you <clears throat> sully his memory. Hey, dude. Have you been to... to, uh, to uh, oh, my God. My brain is, is failing. Uh, I've actually been to the launch site of all of these missions. I've oh, been Cape to, Canaveral. Uh, Cape Canaveral. Yeah. I've seen the monument to everybody, actually. That was pretty sad. Because yeah, they have yeah. all of their names up. Yeah. Including... Uh, uh, well, at the time, um, uh, they didn't have uh, the last one. Oh, Columbia. So, yeah. yeah, Columbia wasn't on there. Wow, we really brought this down. But, they have, but <laughs> we really brought down our review of this movie about astronauts almost dying in space, huh? Okay, well, basically, they <laughs> wanted to remind us all that space stuff is dangerous. Right. And then they, we do the party. <laughs> and then we do, it's uh, Jim Lovell, because the astronauts have to work when they're not going into space. So we see right. we see Jim Lovell 
at Cape Canaveral at the launch complex conducting. Doesn't a... he fly to work in a jet? Yeah, there is that one scene when he's flying to actually prepare for the mission. When he flies like from from Houston, where they live, to Florida, where mm-hmm. they launch from, in a jet. Mm-hmm. That must be cool. And then he flies over his own house. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much my tax money went to yeah. him fucking around with his wife. You know, we our flight plan isn't very direct, Jim. Yeah, but I want to fly over my house. Oh, okay. <laughs> you'll probably there's a there's a there's a uh, a pretty good chance you'll be dead in a few days floating in space. Yeah. So we'll let yeah. you get away with this. And I, you know, uh, uh, to this to this movie's credit, they do go into her story a little bit about yes. the misgivings that she has in regards to having a husband that has a really a really uh, dangerous job. Yeah, a really um, dangerous and, job that everybody romanticizes, you know. Yeah, I think everyone romanticizes it different differently now. The, the, the thing that they try to push in this movie is how everyone just kind of treats it as this kind of humdrum, oh, we've done that so many times, blah, oh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Because yeah. uh, this, this jumps forward a little bit. This jumps forward to right after, the, I think they've done, uh, they've done Apollo 12. Yeah. And that was successful. And they're already talking about how the public is bored. Is that the next scene yeah. where he's in the... He's given a tour to, I guess, their government officials, their congressmen mm-hmm. or something. And yeah. they say, well, Jim, when are you going up there? And uh, Jim says, well, I'm... I'm slated. from the great state of stereotype. Exactly. It's, he is like... Well, and he says, well, I'm going to be the commander of Apollo 14. And one of them says, well, if, it, if they don't cancel the program before then... And he's like, ha, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Oh, by the way, um, uh, it's nice. Uh, the guy, one of the guys in that scene is Roger Corman. Yeah, in it's fact, nice he might be the guy who, who says that line. He might be the guy who I says... I think it is, too. Yeah. If, I think it is, too. Yeah. Yeah. Master of B-horror movies, for whatever reason, is he makes a cameo in this movie. <laughs> he's friends with Ron Howard, so he gets, <laughs> he gets to be in the movie. Um... <laughs> Well, I mean, and when we get to that point, which we're, we're rapidly approaching, one of the one of the astronauts, I, I'm pretty sure, is only ever in movies because he's friends with people. But we'll, we'll get to that when when we get there. Oh God! Uh, but, but yeah. So anyway, this tour that that Lovell is giving is interrupted by Deke Slayton, who is uh, mm-hmm. uh, our one fellow, of the original Mercury Seven. Yeah, our fellow space nerds will know that he was one of the original Mercury astronauts, and he's now um, a big. And we're also hitting one of the big problems with the script of this film is that. Um, exposition is kind of crammed in wherever they can put it so that we yeah. understand who we're talking about in their history. Yeah. Because when he comes up, he needs to make sure to point out to everyone, he's one of the original Mercury 7 astronauts. Because members oh. of Congress wouldn't know that, I guess. <laughs> 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 the Mercury what? I don't know. What? Explain the Mercury program to me, sir. Wait a minute. Are you saying we put fellows up into space before? And they didn't go to the moon? That sounds wasteful. What's that? It was only like five years ago? Huh. Where uh, am I now? Who are you again? What state is this? What's this big rocket-looking thing? When's lunch? Someone please tie my shoes. You know, that's true. This this is really exposition-heavy, because not only does Deke show up and sort of get the plot moving by telling Jim yeah. that, you know, the Apollo 13 crew has been delayed and his crew is being moved up from Apollo 14 to Apollo 13. That's really the whole point of the scene, plot-wise. Well, the mission the mission leader is sick. Yeah, it's well, yeah, and, and it, again, fellow space nerds, it was uh, yeah. Alan Shepard. The first American yeah. in space. He was originally scheduled yeah. to be the commander of Apollo 13, but he had an inner ear issue uh, right. that uh, scrubbed him from Apollo 13, and he wound up flying on Apollo 14, which actually worked mm-hmm. out a lot better for him. Uh, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, so that's the, that's the plot point of this scene. But we also hear Lovell explaining to them like what the Saturn V rocket is, right? You know. So that we we understand what rockets are and this whole space thing. Wait, because apparently the most of the audience went, wait, wait, wait a minute. We went to the moon exactly on rockets huh? with people in them. That's a big rocket. <laughs> I don't know if that thing's gonna fly or not. Right. So Deke Slayton comes up and he says, "Guess what? You're going early." And and uh, and <laughs> uh, Jim Lovell's like, "Yes, I'm going now." <laughs> he runs home and tells his wife. He's like, "Hey," yeah, and his wife has a freak out because she's like, "Oh, you're going to the moon six months earlier than you were supposed to. That's terrible and, news." Yeah. And she also brings up valid points, like, yeah. um, isn't that a little early? Um, aren't you being rushed? Um, haven't you guys not prepared for this? Yeah. What if you die? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, and, and we, at this point, um, I, I, it's around this point that we meet the other members of the crew. We, we've kind of met mm. them early. We, they were there at the party, but they just sort of had a scene to establish them, uh, which is Ken Mattingly played by yeah. Gary Sinise uh, mm-hmm. and Fred Hayes played by Bill Paxton and he's the guy I was talking about who only gets parts in movies because he's friends with people now now <laughs> I'm sorry he can turn in a good performance when I he just, tries I, uh, he's of, of all of the actors who get regular work he's the worst actor I can think of I think he's just <laughs> oh horrible God. and let me tell you something well, we'll, 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 we'll get into the, the, the more perilous parts of this mission but since we brought it up I mean, I look. I love astronauts. Astronauts are my heroes. The real, yeah. the real Fred Hayes is like an American hero. But, oh yeah. But but Bill Paxton in this movie, I've never wanted an astronaut to die so much in my life. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's not Fred's fault. It's just Bill Paxton is just awful. Uh, but anyway, what an admission. <laughs> anyway, I hope I know I know that he doesn't die, but I really want him to. Um, yeah. This is also one of those movies where it's kind of like we're going to fit it's tension filmed and action packed. Yeah. And, oh, what's going to happen next? We know what's going to happen next. If you have <laughs> even a glance, even if you have, have a, a casual relationship with history, you know that these guys don't die. Right. And they make it back. So um, I why was. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because it was a story that not very many people had heard. And apparently Ron Howard just wants to make a bunch of movies based on what he wanted to be when he grew up because <laughs> yes. he also made a movie about firemen yeah. and then he made an astronaut movie and I think there's a cowboy he movie. He did a cowboy movie, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then the schizophrenic math genius. I don't know if that falls into oh, that he, category. I guess but... he, yeah, he wants the little Ron Howard, his father's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a schizophrenic math genius. <laughs> I want to be a cowboy. <laughs> and I want to direct. Okay. And I want to fuck a mermaid. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. That was him too. Uh, Ron Howard, when will you pay for your crimes? Um, but yeah, so... Hey, he gave us Arrested Development. You that's back true. Off. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Anyway, um... <laughs> So yeah, so the the crew. Act- oh, and if he wasn't alive, um, Sheriff Andy would have gone mad. He would have killed Barney Five and, and destroyed most of Mayberry. <laughs> would have been a very different resolution to the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I just don't care anymore, Barney. <laughs> I'm sorry, Barn. I've got to do it. 
<laughs> now wait a minute. You are not strangling me with a belt. <laughs> the final moments of Barney Fife when he's he's reaching for the bullet in his pocket and he just can't get it out in time. <laughs> It turns into a death scene from Blood Simple or or No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where are we going? What are we actively trying listen, to it's, avoid it? It's relevant. It's relevant because Opie directed the movie we're reviewing. It's totally relevant. Okay, all right, fine. Um, anyway, so they get this news and everyone's like, yippee, but then, oh, that bastard flight surgeon. He he just had to go and look out for the well-being of the crew, didn't he? Yeah, how dare he be concerned that one of them could come down with, was it measles? Measles, yeah. Measles, um, you know, a couple hundred thousand miles away from Earth <laughs> in in a tiny box. And, and somehow guy, he's the bad probably. guy. Yeah, but somehow he's the bad guy because he has to tell, um, uh, uh, what's his, yeah, what's his character's uh, name? Mattingly. Mattingly that he can't go. Right. And so, uh, you know, uh, Tom has to go, not Tom, uh, Jim, Jim has yeah. to go, well, um, I'm going to make a selfish decision. Instead of all of us waiting for 14, because I'm kind of afraid that there won't be a 14, because all of these senators um, are threatening <laughs> on cut, shutting down the, the moon program, I'm going to go ahead and go with the backup. And, you know, someone who we hadn't trained with. And uh, we're gonna do, we're gonna go with that guy, and that guy is Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> Jack Swaggart, played by ja- Kevin boy, Bacon. boy. Did they think his name was his character? Yes. Because he's like he's this horn dog of a dude who, in the first scene where we meet him, he's like making a beer bottle and a glass have sex but telling yes. some woman that it's the module and the lem and and then the next time he's with some woman he's having a shower with a lady he's, oh poiscoidal showering oh. and uh, he gets the call that he's going to be bumped up to Apollo 13 and he's happy and we know he's happy because he says yahoo <laughs> literally that's what he says <laughs> He says Yahoo, and um, but now they've got a problem because they only have a, a what a couple of months. Uh, actually, well, I, I'm not sure what it was in reality, but the movie gives the impression that it's like a couple of days. I mean, yeah, it like makes right it seem like well, we're leaving in a couple of hours, yeah. so you guys got to get ready. So they throw him, they throw Swaggered into a simulator, and he keeps screwing up, and everyone's like, hey, you know, even your Mattingly dude didn't do that well the first time. He'll get it. He'll get it right. (laughs) And, you know, they're going along with it. I guess they wanted, I guess everybody is in this camp of getting a 13 up, because they don't know if they're going to be getting any more. Right. Well, and it's also, I mean, you talked earlier about, you know, Ron Howard wanting to make this a suspense movie. This is another, you know, opportunity to inject suspense into the story because we saw before, Mm -hmm. like, Mattingly was like the world's greatest pilot. You know, he nailed it perfectly, but still wanted to go back in the simulator and do it again just to make sure he got it perfectly right. And then we see Swagger screwing up the first time we see him in the simulator. So it's like, oh, no, I hope they'll make it, you know. (laughs) Everybody's dead again, Swagger. (laughs) So um, then I think we have uh, Jim's wife has a nightmare. Yeah. 
about him getting sucked out into space. And then um, they go. I think she tells him. It doesn't. There's. She tells him at first that she's not going to go to the launch. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. and she's like, I've been the three of them already. Yeah, she's been. I mean, the thing is, is that Jim's already been. Jim did the what's considered the dry run, where yeah. they literally launched someone into space, went around the moon, and came back. They all they did was they didn't land. They didn't attach the lunar landing module, and they didn't land on the surface right. of the moon. They could have, but they didn't. That was not their mission. Their mission was to see if they could actually get there and then circle around and come back. And he did that. Um, but he, you know, he hasn't, uh, you know, he hasn't landed on the moon. And so she's kind of like, for some reason, she's like, I'm not going. <laughs> and he masks his disappointment. And uh, where it reintroduced to more, you know, I, I don't understand why they do this. And did I mean, I know that the Beatles broke up in the 60s at the end of the 60s. You knew that, right? I did. I did. So why did we need to have a daughter suddenly go, I'm upset that the Beatles have broken up. Oh, that's right. To remind the dumb audience of what year it was. That's it. For some reason. That's the only reason that we pay any attention to Jim Lovell's kids in this movie is they, they're they purely there to just make pop culture references to remind us of the period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, he goes, they get ready, and then she shows up. She does go to the launch. And he's happy. They can't touch each other because they're afraid of getting each other sick or microbes or whatever. Thing. Yeah, yeah. They can talk to each other like from across a road, but they can't mm-hmm. get close to each other. It's like a leper colony. <laughs> yeah. And then they get into their spacesuits where Jim makes fun of a German guy a little bit. <laughs> and uh, uh, what they never, I don't think they mention is that once they put those clothes on, they ain't taken them off again for about a week. Yes. <laughs> Notice they are not bringing suitcases with them on yeah, board the Apollo not. capsule. Um, and they we have the stirring scenes where they're all in their cost you know costumes, jeez, yeah. in their in their spacesuits, and they go up into the yeah. the rocket and, and they get and James Horner, James Horner's the shit out of it, working overtime. Yes. Yeah, he's like, this is going to be stirring one way or another. <laughs> more drums, more brass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they get strapped in, and then they get shot out into space. <laughs> And uh, then they they separate from the rocket part. <laughs> that is the technical term. And they turn their <laughs> part of the rocket around, and they park with right. the other part of the rocket that's supposed to land right. on the moon. And Swagger did it. He didn't uh, yeah. didn't screw it up. He didn't screw the pooch, and... as the astronauts say. Yeah, they didn't say it in this one. No, they didn't. They said it in a movie that's we're going to mention later. <laughs> yes, they did. Like fifty times. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then uh, they're on their way to the moon, and we get more of this kind of commentary about how no one's really watching it. Everyone's no one's watching the moon thing, and they're doing these broadcasts from their capsule, and no one cares. And yeah, not <sighs> even the people in Mission Control don't seem to care all that much. Like they have, yeah, like, this is we see a little gallery they have set up for like family members and stuff to watch the video transmissions, yeah. and there's like three people there. There's like the wives and maybe one. Exactly. Or, yeah, nobody gives a shit anymore. Yeah, you know, it's, we're awful people, Americans. Yeah. We don't care about anything. That's probably well, the once, truest once... part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, you American, you guys suck. <laughs> um, 
So uh, there, things are going around, and they're doing a bunch of weightless shit, and, you know, eating, and and uh, yeah. what's his name gets sick. Deke's not Slayton. Uh, uh, the other guy, the guy you don't like. Yeah, Fred. Fred. Paxton gets sick yeah. to his stomach, but then he's hungry again, and laughs are had by all, and uh, everything seems to be going just fine, routine. When all of a sudden there's uh, an explosion. And it's all Kevin I don't Bacon's want to fault. say a plot device happened because all of this stuff actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't say that. But the movie then, is structured in such a way that it makes it feel like a plot device happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's an explosion. No one knows what's going on. All of a sudden they're losing oxygen and uh, everyone starts to have a, a major league freakout. Uh, guys in mission control are like starting to panic, and then in walks. Oh well, Ed Harris was there before because we skipped over the yeah. very important Ed Harris getting a vest the, from his wife. <laughs> the vest scene, the investment of Ed Harris, and he's what he's mission control. Yeah, he's like the he's the, the flight director. Guy. Yeah, he's the flight. And director. as near as I can tell, what he really is is the motivational speaker for the group. Mm-hmm. Because exactly. all he really seems to do is say, we're not going to lose anybody's. Now everyone get to work. Um, uh, America has never lost a man in space. Um, and everyone get to work. Here's what you what need do you to do? do. Now do it. Shut up. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. And I think he kicks something at some point. <laughs> yeah, he gets angry and stuff like that. He, just, he but, Ed I mean, Harris is the shit out of it. Yeah, Ed Harris is the shit out of it, but you have all of these tech, uh, technical people and stuff running around trying to figure out solutions to the problems that are going to be occurring in the film. But all he ever seems to do is walk up and add in, we're Americans and we're awesome yes. and we're never going to lose anything, so shut up and get to work. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I didn't realize that that was a job. If that was a job, I can do it. I can fake my way through through stuff like that. <laughs> It makes me wonder, do we hire people like that for everything, no matter what disaster it is? We have some cheerleader that just shows up and goes, America's awesome, we've got the biggest dick in the world, and we're going to get through this. <laughs> well, you know, it must be an important job, and the guy that Ed Harris plays, Gene Kranz, must have been good at it, because in real life, the guy did that for like 30 years. <laughs> that was his job for 30 years. You know, I was feeling pretty down this morning, Gene. Buck up, you're an American, and Americans are awesome. <laughs> Thanks, really, Gene? Gene? Fuck yeah. Look at my Where's vest. Most... <laughs> Look at my vest. My wife made Look this. Look how crisp and sharp it is. Come on. Failure's not an option. <laughs> he does say that, Yes, he does. He? he says failure is not he an option. He literally says that, yes. With c- complete conviction. <laughs> so they're losing, they're losing oxygen. They don't know what's going on, but they've got a shut down the tanks or yeah they, turn off there's the some thing? some of that is a little technical but basically what what it turns out they have to do is to they they're trying to keep them from losing oxygen so fast and they figure out that if they just turn the power off in the command right. module which is the 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 ship the part of the ship that's big enough for all three of them that they're supposed to be spending mm-hmm. most of their time and if they just turn the power off there and move everybody into the lunar module uh, for most of the trip that they'll be able to to survive so that's what they do right but the problem is is now they'll be driving backwards yeah and um there's not enough room for all three of them so they start getting on each other's nerves and uh (laughs) and then we get the next um problem that happens and that is the scrubbers see when you're in space you breathe out carbon dioxide and they have uh, filters that scrub out the carbon dioxide and recycle the oxygen so that you can live and (laughs) 
they don't have filters that fit in the LEM. The LEM was designed for only two people for a certain amount of time, and now there are three people in it, and they are rapidly running out of breathable air. So now we have to turn the people at Mission Control into a bunch of MacGyvers. Yep. And they dump out all this spare stuff, all the spare equipment stuff that they have, and they go, okay, we've got to make a filter because we filled, what was it? They designed a round filter, but the ones in the LEM are square. Yeah, yeah. So, or the other, it's the other that, way around, but yeah. yeah there's, they now, have to make a square something, filter fit into a round filter yeah. hole. Now, here's something that they kind of, uh, kind of danced around. One of the main problems was was that they contracted two separate companies to make the two different parts of this vessel. Right. One company made the command module, and another company made the LEM, and they didn't communicate to one another, so none of the parts on the LEM, <laughs> LEM fit on the command module, right. and vice versa. We do have the guy who represents the company that made the... The lunar module. LEM? Yeah. The lunar yeah, module. The LEM. He's around, you know, I guess... To just say, hey, this isn't our fault. We're <laughs> awesome. Um, and any anytime you guys say we're going to make the the lem do things that it wasn't designed for, I'm here to make sure that we're not liable for anything. I guess is what it is. Yeah. And then he also gets also... to crow, like when the lem does something. Oh, amazing. when the lem does something good, yeah. he's like, yeah, look at that. I know that those guys up there did something, but I am just as much as responsible for the awesome thing that happened. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, meanwhile, back down on Earth, everybody else is uh, being informed that there's been an accident and everyone's having a freak out and the wife's having a freak out. And, um, yeah. Oh, that they have to scrub the, the landing. That's one. Of yeah, the that's a big point. Yeah. Which which uh, is one of the points in the movie where I think they hit that point way too hard because mm-hmm. there's a scene you know they, they're they're talking about that right before they we cut to the astronauts where you know Gene Krantz is basically made to accept by the other mission controllers hey they're not going to be able to land on the moon and still come yeah. back alive and then they relay the technical information to the astronauts and the right. and there's that moment we get of that of it sort of dawning on the astronauts. But then mm-hmm. they had to, you know, double down on it by having Tom Hanks literally say, we just lost the moon. And I was like, right. oh, dude, we got it already. <laughs> we understand. Three people said it beforehand right. that the mission is scrubbed. We, we kind of know this lingo. We get yeah. it. We understand. You guys got to get home or you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So now they've got to they still have to go around the moon. Because they use the moon's gravity to help them slingshot them back towards Earth. And it helps them conserve energy. They have to do it. Um, so they're still going all the way out and around. and But they've got problems. They've turned everything off. It's starting to get cold. Um, Swaggart has the clap, I think. <laughs> well, uh, they, they speculate that Swaggart has the clap because uh, Fred Hayes says it burns when he pees. And he, spe- mm-hmm. he speculates that he caught something from Swaggart. Because he's such mm-hmm. a whoremonger. <laughs> <laughs> and they've been using each other's urine yeah. tubes and stuff like that. And they're starting to get in the nerves and blaming each other and saying, you didn't do this. And this is why this has been, this is why the thing happened. And it's all your fault. And <sighs> meanwhile, <laughs> on Earth, um, Jim's wife is still having a freak out. Marilyn, that's yeah. her name. Marilyn's really upset and worried and 
the whole world knows about it, and the reporters are coming and hanging out outside their lawn, and they have to go tell. Um, they have to tell the his, world's well, they, greatest, most adorable grandma yeah. that uh, her son is might die. And then she says, "If he could fly a refrigerator, if you could get a refrigerator to yeah. fly, my son could land it." And the first time I heard that joke, I, I laughed out loud because I thought she was being more senile than ever. <laughs> because there was a part of me that thought, does she think he's flying a refrigerator she, around? She's not just trying to be encouraging. She literally thinks that he could <laughs> he's fly flying a refrigerator. A refrigerator. <laughs> when Jim coming back with that flying refrigerator, I want a Coke out of it. Uh, but we're getting all of the people and Nixon's being a jerk and wanting odds on how they're going to, you know, yeah. might, if they're going to live or not. And that's when Gene comes in and says, no one's dying. We're the greatest. I, I got to go cry in the bathroom. Yeah. These men are doomed. And he runs off. Yes. Tell Nixon to suck a dick. <laughs> Don't anybody talk to me. <laughs> Meanwhile... Um, there's other stuff they have to do. The I guess the explosion or something threw them off course, and yeah. they're going to miss their 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 entry window, which is the very narrow strip where they have to come in to make a, a soft, gentle land. Because if they don't, then they might bounce off the the atmosphere, which would be bad. <laughs> or they yes. may come in too steep, and they'll burn up. And once again, we have lots of helpful news people who will explain all of this to us. Um, with even with you know a blowtorch and a ball, <laughs> yeah. so, like I think you can pretty much guess how a heat shield works. It's right there you know, in the have, name. We have imagination. <laughs> well, this this was the was that the heat shield demonstration yeah. where the guys literally using a blowtorch on a styrofoam ball? Yeah, yeah. Going, and they'll die like this. Why don't they just have a guy with army men and just yeah. set them on fire? Well, oh no, I'm Jim Lovell and I'm dying. <laughs> think, think of how cruel that is because the whole world is literally watching, <laughs> and there's a real fear that these three guys are going to die and their corpses are just going to be out floating in space forever. And they have a guy on TV <laughs> on the news going, "Okay, here's how they could die. Watch." <laughs> okay anyway um so now they have to make a course correction and they have to do it backwards and they have to use the thrusters on the limb and they have to do all their calculations in pencil and in longhand math using slide rules and if it had yeah and if it had been me um everyone would have died (laughs) because i hate math and i hate writing math out yeah uh, that was when I, they, when I started seeing those types of scenes in movies as a child. That's when I realized I just was never going to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you have to be like smart for real to do this. Never mind. Yeah, you have to be smart. It's not just like I've got guts and I'm out for glory. Strap me into that rocket yeah, ship. You need those things and a master's degree. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like I love Star Trek. I could never be in Starfleet. I don't know what... If I managed to get into Starfleet, I would just be meat. I would just be a red shirt. Yes. I would just be like, well, you're not good at engineering, science, or any of the other cool shit. Put this red shirt on and go stand over by that monster. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be turned into a cube or I'd get killed by a Klingon. One of any of those things. All the salt would be drained from your body. Something. 
there's there's no position for a smartass on the Enterprise. No, to be quite no. honest, That's the only thing that I'd be good for. There are no Han Solos in Starfleet. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that I'm a Han Solo. Well, sure. But even Han Solo know who knew how to fix the kind <laughs> yeah. of fix the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, he kind of played it by ear, but he could get shit done. I mean, even the frickin' Wookie had at least a degree in engineering. Yes, he must he knew have. He was the one that was fixing the damn uh, Millennium Falcon 99% of the time while he's off schmoozing Princess Leia. Who's working? Chewbacca. <laughs> Do you think that he went to all those years of engineering school just to have a life debt with this asshole who just leaves him there to fix, go fix the thing? <laughs> Jeez Louise. I bet, you know what, I bet, I bet Han Solo saved Chewbacca's life because then he would have the life debt and then he forced Chewbacca to go to engineering school. But Chewbacca probably wanted to be a dancer or some shit. And now he's stuck being an engineer on a piece of garbage spacecraft. And he's like, and then he gets tortured by Boba Fett. (laughs) My stupid Wookiee culture and our stupid life debts. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Tom Hanks... And Where did we go? We went into Star Tom Hanks and Bill Paxton and Kevin Bacon are in a spaceship. Oh, right. And uh, they course correct, and now they're okay. Yeah. But now, oh, the heat shield. Because when they finally get close enough, they they detach. They they let the uh, they they go back into the uh, command module, and they let the uh, the wait. Yeah, yeah, they let the, the service module, which is the, the service part module that had the explosion. Go. Yeah, right. And um, oh, and we forgot to mention Mattingly, who isn't sick. He never got the measles. Right. In your face, flight surgeon. <laughs> um, is has been in the simulator trying to figure out a way that they can restart the limb because they may not have enough power to restart it. Right. And if they can't get the limb restarted, then they can't uh, de-ice the parachutes. <laughs> In which case they would make it all the way back to Earth, survive re-entry, and then hit the water at 700 miles an hour. <laughs> and that would be what is known in the astronaut business as a bummer. Yeah, that would be very, very bad. And he's been trying to figure out a way to uh, restart the limb once they get back inside. And they think they have it. They think after all of this testing and a eureka moment and, hey, why don't we just take the power from the module will put it in the limb and everything will be hunky-dory. He figures it out and then they tell him what to do and then they do it and it works! And now they're getting really close to to, the landing, so now they have to separate the landing pod. Yeah, the command module. The command module. It's all modules. It's just everything was modules back then. The the command module detaches from the rest of it and as the, the rest of it is floating away, they can see where the the explosion was one of the panels has been knocked off and there's an explosion that runs all the way up to their heat shield and the heat shield is what's at the bottom of the command pod the thing that re-enters earth's atmosphere and um it deflects heat away uh, so that the astronauts uh, don't get cooked alive and the thing doesn't burn up it's a fairly important piece of the ship and, of course, now everyone gets to have a freak out about that. And uh, now they're thinking, oh, well, if that doesn't work, if that's broken or loose, then they're going to come in and they're going to die. And everyone in the world's having a freak out and the Pope is praying and everyone's everyone's <laughs> out on the street. 
And I, I think I'm remembering this correctly. It seemed to be the same time of day everywhere. Yes. Have, did you notice yes. that? Everywhere it seemed to be daytime. Rome, Japan, everywhere. <laughs> That's just how important the return of Apollo 13 was. The, the time <laughs> zones all just sort of flattened out. Exactly. So um, now everyone's on pins and needles because they're going in for re-entry and uh, cue James Horner <laughs> and um, let's get ready for the re-entry. And they come in and then when they re-enter, there is a period of time where there is no communications. There's a blackout. They can't communicate back and forth. And so we're all waiting while we don't know where they are. Oh, everyone's really concerned. And, oh, everyone in the audience, you should be really concerned, too, despite the fact that this is a historical event that happened within our own lifetimes. And we know for a fact that none of these people die, but we should be concerned. And they make it through, and everyone in the world applauds and cheers, and everyone's happy. And they get them back, and they get on the Iwo Jima, and... um. And they live happily ever after. Yeah, that's it. They're, oh, a and, voiceover and at the end. Jim Lovell, they have the thing where they have to tell us what to feel. And <laughs> so they let us know that it's considered the greatest failure because of all the things. And despite all the things that went wrong, we still managed to get people back. And that was great, wasn't it? And <laughs> it, here's the thing that they kind of didn't mention is that this thing rekindled interest in the space program. And got them another, what, five missions? Four, four missions? Four missions, yeah. Four more missions to the moon. Um, and on one of them, we even actually got a scientist up there. The last one. Can you believe it? The very last <laughs> the one. The last one. Uh, and, uh, um, and, hey, maybe we'll go to the moon again. That's Probably yeah, not. That, that, that's when it crosses <laughs> over into pure fantasy. Yeah, that's... <laughs> like, maybe we'll go back to the moon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. The end. Hey, Steve. Yes. How did you feel about um, Apollo 13? Well, I mean, what I'm about to say is like a violation of my movie critic ethics, but I can't help but say it because it's just how I feel about the movie. Um, I wish that this had been a better movie. Be mm. How is that a violation well, of your movie? Because I'm sort of because I'm comparing it to like a hypothetical other movie, and I feel like usually I feel like it's bad form to criticize a movie by saying it wasn't. It could have been something else. Yeah, I, by saying, "Well, the hypothetical movie I'm imagining is better," so you know, right? But and of course that movie doesn't exist, and who mm. knows if the movie I'm imagining, if it was actually made, would be any good at all. But anyway, um, mm -hmm. the the Apollo 13 story, the real historical event, to me is one of the most amazing things that ever happened because yeah. you know there are these like like we mentioned throughout the, the course of our plot summary i mean there are these three guys who were in a tiny little spacecraft uh -huh. hundreds of thousands of miles from earth the spacecraft malfunctioned they were at at certain points probably within a few minutes of death if they didn't figure yeah. out what was going on and mm -hmm. And then, and they made it back alive. They made it back yeah. to Earth in one piece. Mm -hmm. And and I just feel like a movie about that should be a movie that like changes your life. Like I mean, that, <laughs> it's because it's one of those just unbelievable hey, events. This movie tried really hard to change to do that. They had the big movie <laughs> swelling up to make you feel things, 
and they had the the family stuff to make you feel feels. Yeah. See, they tried really hard. And that's the thing that I think I don't like about it is that for for what the movie is, it's really well done. It's really well executed. The acting, mm-hmm. it, the acting, except for the exception of Bill Paxton in my case, uh, is really really great. Um, uh-huh. And it's just it does a it's you know it's a really well done sort of uh, like melodrama adventure movie you know yeah yeah but i just feel like the apollo 13 story deserves more than that deserves more than to be told as like a a a competently made big crowd pleasing movie i feel like if a if a director other than ron howard who mm-hmm. isn't i mean has done good stuff but has never been terribly impressive to me as a filmmaker uh mm-hmm. if a if a director like you know like Philip Kaufman, who we're going to talk about a little bit when when we talk about recommendations, had done this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, it would have been a much it would have been a much different movie. And I mean, again, it's not fair to say this, but I kind of feel this. It would have been a better movie. It would have been a more oh, probably it would have been a more significant movie. But like I say, that's not really fair. As it is, it's it's a good movie. It's it's well acted. It's well done. the The real life story is adapted to fit the sort of movie formula very well yeah you know oh there is a, you know this this has all the pitfalls of whenever they they do a true story there are characters in there that in the movie that don't exist yeah. or they're an amalgamation of of a couple of a couple of people and they play fast and loose with time yeah. a lot <laughs> with time um um i you know i i like the movie it's hard not to like the yeah. movie it's a competently made movie. It's a technically wonderful movie. Yeah, that I never feel that uh, that the um, and and they went out of their way to make sure that it was technically accurate as far as the 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 um, astronaut stuff was concerned. Mm-hmm. That everything was as accurate as possible. They actually used parts from the Apollo program in their sets for the LEM and for the land, lunar lander and all that other stuff. They bothered to put these three actors in a set in the Vomit Comet, yeah. which is the the plane that simulates uh, microgravity. And they, they did what, two and a half hours of, of, of that stuff where they could get the actors to do stuff in microgravity. And that, that was very successful yeah. and commendable to both the filmmakers and to the actors who, <laughs> who volunteered to be in the film. Um, where the problems that I have with the film is that it really really assumes that we're dumb yeah. that we don't know our own that we don't know our own history we don't know anything about this the space program and it's not that they explain things it's that they over explain things things get explained two or three times it's almost as if the first explanation is for the smart people the second explanation people are for the layman and the third explanation are the people who don't know how they got to the movie theater <laughs> exactly and they break that rule of of you know the rule of show don't tell well, and, and it is possible in a movie that has a lot of technical stuff and this is also something that's going to be coming up later where you show and not tell yeah and and while i appreciate a lot of the technical stuff that they had to go through in order to tell uh, to tell the story a lot of it could have been dropped to the wayside well and the, the thing the, and, the frustrating thing about that is there are points in the movie where it does that where it does mm-hmm. it does allow the exposition to be very subtle and it shows and doesn't tell like there there's a a, a couple of points 
in the movie that depend on their the type of microphone that they're using to talk to mission control. They had a they yeah. on the the Gemini and Apollo missions, and I guess maybe probably even to this day they have a form of this. It's a, a type of communication system called Vox that was basically a voice yeah. operated microphone. And when that mm-hmm. was on, anytime the astronauts were talking, mission control could hear them. And there's and mm-hmm. it leads up to like a funny joke where previously uh-huh. Jim Lovell had had Vox on and he was like kind of throwing a fit and everybody at Mission yeah. Control could hear him. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the Capcom said, you know, uh, Apollo 13, we're reading every word you say. Uh, uh-huh. And then there's another point when they have another argument and Lovell is about to go off. But before he does, he says, are we on Vox? And, you know, and they say no. And then he flips the switch yeah. and he says, you know, Mission Control, this is Apollo 13. We were like, he calms down. And right. we, they, we're never told what Vox is. There aren't like the three explanations no. of what Vox is. But we get it. Right. And that moment works. Yeah, we understand. We we don't need to be hit over the head over what Vox is, how it works, when it's on, right. when it's off. <sighs> and and the other thing, and I... And, I understand that they wanted to humanize the characters to a certain extent. Uh, you know, Swagger, we couldn't humanize all that much because he was single and he didn't have a wife. <laughs> but we needed to make sure that we understood that uh, the other two had uh, wives that were upset and one of them had a baby and yeah. or was pregnant or something like yeah. that. And while I appreciate the fact that they included a woman character in what very well could have been a sausage fest mm. movie where it was only about just the just the mission which the movie could have been about it could have just been about the mission itself they could have skipped over all of the preamble and just gone straight from launch to what happened in space and then and coming back yeah. down um, and while I appreciate they, they, they included those characters, a lot of it felt very emotionally manipulating. That any time we cut back to this character, the only reason they existed was because they didn't trust that we would be engaged enough with the astronauts alone. So they kind of added this whole family drama, this kind of, oh, I don't know, Jim, you launch into space and I got a bad feeling about yeah. that. <laughs> that it just seemed kind of it seemed kind of it felt a little tacked on and and maybe that's just my perspective on it um but uh yeah i mean i the thing about it is is that i like the movie despite the things that the movie is obviously doing to get me to like it <laughs> yeah it's a it's a very charming movie and it's like meeting some charming like meeting a charming person and and there's nothing wrong with them on the outside and but you're like there's something going on here i shouldn't like this person why don't i like this person <laughs> yeah <laughs> And maybe it is because it does feel like a very rah rah hooray for us look how smart we are kind of kind of film. And I'm not saying that that should take away from the triumph of it, you know, from the work that went into it. The the you know they made a point in the film where they made sure that that the people that were down in mission control got the credit for um, making sure that these guys got yeah. home. You know, if they didn't have mission control, if their communications had been out, they all would have suffocated to death. Because yeah, the oh, guys absolutely. up in the, the the guys up in the spacecraft uh, didn't realize that they were quickly running out of oxygen until they fucking told them, <laughs> "Hey, check your gauge. You guys are uh, gonna die of uh, carbon dioxide poisoning here in a second. Uh, you might want to do something about that." Um, <laughs> oh yeah, thanks. Real good then there. 
But I mean, I, and I can understand why this movie was so popular because you do f- leave the film feeling pretty good about yourself yeah. and feeling pretty good about the 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 space program. And it it made, but it made me sad because I was kind of like, yeah, the space program's awesome. Thirty, 30 years, years ago. ago yeah. <laughs> When we were going to space and we we're doing moon stuff, but now we're just kind of like, meh. Uh, send a robot. Let's send robots everywhere. Yeah. And I believe me, I am not against sending robots. Believe me, I'm not. Um, and I'm not against what the, what the limitations that our space program currently has. They're doing the best they can with what little money that they've been given. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but and I and I think that maybe this 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 film was supposed to be a shot in the arm to the space program. Um, it came out in 95. It is sad that there has been no advancement from 95 until now in regards to, you know, almost, almost, well, 20 years yeah. now. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I'm so old. This movie's 20 years <laughs> yeah, old. Steve. It is, yeah. Almost exactly 20 years old, actually. As we, as we, um, this. yeah. So, uh, you know, it's one of those films where I enjoyed it. Um, I liked some of the performance. I, I like Gary Sinise a lot. Oh, yeah. you, you can't. You have to be an inhuman monster not to like Tom Cruise. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, I like Ed Harris. I like everybody. I you, even like Ron Howard's ugly brother. You even like but, Bill Paxton, don't you? You son yeah, of a I do. bitch. I, I don't hate him like <laughs> you do. I don't have a blood feud against <laughs> Bill Paxton. He has to be stopped. <laughs> but... Um, it's just one of those films where I don't feel, I don't feel like the film earned the, 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 the feelings that it gets because it, it, it kind of takes the easy way out, which is like, you know, hooray for us. Yeah. Go, go team. Yay. America. And while I think in this instant, yeah, great. We did, we did something awesome, but I, I don't think that what, what the, the film fails to carry across is how much doubt and how much fear and how much terror was there in the people in mission control yeah. and in the people in the limb. And they, I, it, it's a weird kind of mythologizing. They said, Oh, well, we showed them peeing in space and we showed all the gross stuff. You didn't show all the gross stuff. I know about the gross stuff. How about the fact that there were little pieces of, of human excrement floating around in, yeah. the, in the, the limb most of the and time. You know, they even mentioned that there's a, there's a, uh, a point after everything goes to shit when they're having to conserve as much as possible and Lovell says, okay, mm-hmm. we can't do any more waste dumps, which basically means we can't flush the toilet anymore because it'll it'll knock us off mm-hmm. course and we can't afford to keep adjusting our course. So we're just going to have to right. stow it. And, yeah, we're going to have to stow it. And then it. that never comes up again. <laughs> like, it's no, never mentioned no. ever again for the rest of the movie. No. It, do- it, doesn't, it doesn't come up, we don't see it. So while they do kind of humanize it a little bit, they kind of go the other way and turn them into mega heroes. And also, please don't get this wrong. I think that anyone who is willing to strap themselves to a rocket and get launched into space is a hero. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. Anyone who is willing to do that and, and risk their lives to, to do this is a hero in my book. But I like my heroes to be human beings. And I don't like them to be over-mythologized to a certain extent. I don't like them to be presented i mean jim lovell comes off great in this movie he really does yeah. and i'm sure he is a fantastic human being to know and 
Um, but he, you know, with the with the one thing where he he sacrifices a little bit of his friendship with uh, with uh, his friend when yeah. he when he chooses to go ahead with the mission. There's not all. There's not a whole. You know, there's not a whole lot of moral uh, dubiousness about any of the characters, really. Uh, Jim gets the lion's share of character development. The other two, not nearly so much. Yeah. Well, and kind of surface level. And with Jim, even what could have been a really powerful bit of character development—the fact that he misses out on walking on the moon—is kind of undercut by that fantasy sequence we get where he actually is on the moon. Which I, right, I, I right. think that kind of drains a lot of the poignancy out of his story is, you know, we're supposed to be sad for him because he never gets to walk on the moon. But then the movie shows him walking on the moon to us. Yeah. And, and that is cheap yeah. in a weird yeah. way. It felt very it felt, and it was also kind of confusing because there's a, a point where Swaggart and um, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Swaggart and the other one is looking out the window taking pictures of the moon and like, oh, we could just go down there, blah, blah, blah. And it's like um, t- uh, Jim's character has a 180 turnaround and he's like, hey, fellas, let's stop this horse mess and go yeah. home. And it's like, dude, you were just fantasizing about landing on the moon yourself yeah. and bouncing around and putting your hand in the dirt and blah, blah, blah. Don't get on your high horse now. Because these two guys are talking about like they would just want to land. Screw it. We're going to land. We'll just stay there forever. No, and you don't get to you don't get to play both sides of that character like that. You can't have them just you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Overall, do you recommend this movie? Yeah, I. I mean, I very very tepid recommendation. I mean, it it does make the space program look really romantic and exciting, even though it's about a disaster. Yeah. Uh, it mm-hmm. you know it does portray astronauts as heroes, and I appreciate that because astronauts are my heroes in in, in real life. Um, but yeah, it it takes a really incredible real life story and makes it into a very well made but ultimately kind of common and pedestrian melodrama, you know. And it does that in a really skilled way, but just the fact that it did it kind of drains the story of a lot of power. Uh, so I can't I can't yeah. recommend it wholeheartedly but it's i i mean it's not a bad movie if you haven't seen it it's worth checking out yeah i'll recommend it too it it really is it is you know it got nominated for a ton academy awards i think it won two for technical i like sound or something like that um and it's not a bad film there are there are there are moments of of uh levity there's you know Romance, you get to see him grope his wife in the backyard. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's drama. You get to see Gene keeping it together, yeah, and telling everybody that we've never lost anybody in space, and we're never going to do it because we're Americans. God damn it! And God made us a promise that we're exceptional. <laughs> exactly, American exceptionalism. American movie. <laughs> They're gonna die. They're all gonna die. They're gonna die, and everyone's gonna blame me. <laughs> and he rips his vest off. He and sticks it in his mouth. <laughs> Curls up into a fetal position under his. It has vest. to be carried out of the <laughs> mission control center. He used. He was so strong. <laughs> they are doomed. Oh my god. Um, you know what? It's a good thing we didn't direct this movie, or it would have just. <laughs> it would have just been people having freakouts all over oh the place. My God. Uh, Apollo 13. You told Nick said you can go to hell. I'm going to come down there and I'm going to kill him. Apollo 13, this is Houston. The flight director just totally lost it. We're recommending you all kiss your asses <laughs> goodbye. 
<laughs> yeah, we don't have any idea what to do. Um, <laughs> uh, word down here is you are screwed. Over. Anything you guys want to do before the end? <laughs> They'll put you on TV uncensored. <laughs> They'll put you on TV uncensored. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I guess the, the the bottom line for me is I am going to recommend it, but it still has that kind of... Uh, there's a Michael bay yes. kind of yippee America vibe I, to it. I agree, I agree. And I don't know if it's I've been influenced by that kind of vibe from Michael Bay films, so that when something kind of approaches it, um, I pick up on it now that I've I've developed a bay sense. <laughs> yes, <laughs> where it's like, uh oh, someone thinks we're really awesome, and they're gonna make sure we know. And it's so it's nothing against Ron Howard. I mean, he wanted to make these people heroes, and that's exactly what he did. But uh, you know, if you want something deeper, if you want something um, smarter, um then you might be disappointed by the film. If you want something that's going to make you feel good and uh, is, you know, and, you know, the movie runs along on a great clip, too. Yeah. Boy, it, it moves right along. Um, then you're going to like the film, and I'll, and I'll recommend it. Sure. Why not? I don't care. Why not? I don't <laughs> Everyone thinks I hate everything because I make fun of things. <laughs> One of these days we're going to do a movie that I love, and I'm still going to make fun of it, and then all you people can be quiet. <laughs> He doesn't like anything. Didn't I just go on a tirade about Chewbacca and Han Solo? He doesn't even like I love Star Wars. those two. I love those two people more than I love my own family members, but I still make fun of them. <laughs> anyway, so that's it. Do you agree with us? Do you not agree with us? Do you think we're full of crap? Have you not seen the movie and you're going to go see it now based on our tepid recommendations? <laughs> awesome. Now, we're going to recommend a movie for you guys to go see. Uh, hey, Steve, <laughs> is there a movie that you want to go recommend? Yeah, there is. Uh, I, I alluded to it earlier. It's probably, the if you have seen this movie before you saw Apollo 13, I can't imagine you not thinking about this movie while watching Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. Um, That's because the filmmakers who made Apollo 13 <laughs> obviously couldn't stop thinking about yeah, this movie when they made yes, it. That's true. The movie I'm recommending is, for my money, the best astronaut movie ever made uh which yeah. is uh the right stuff directed by philip kaufman released originally in 1983 and it is the story of the early days of the american man space program from uh the 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 years leading up to the mercury program through the end of the mercury program sort of the story of the original american astronauts um and one of the best casts you could ever ask for. Uh, Ed Harris, again, this time he's playing John Glenn mm-hmm. instead of the mission control guy. <laughs> Bit of a more important role there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and a better character. Oh, much too. better character. And uh, Scott Glenn, one of my favorite actors, Sam Shepard, Fred mm-hmm. Ward, Dennis Quaid, Barbara Hershey. This whole cast uh, is oh good. My, the yeah, whole Pamela cast, Reed, Veronica Cartwright. It just yeah, it just goes on and on and on. Amazing, amazing cast. Levon Helm, and, uh, for Christ's sake. The guy who played, uh, uh, who played Johnson. Um, oh, yes, he was hilarious. Um, one, one of my favorite favorite character actor. Yeah, Donald Moffat. Donald yes. Moffat. Yeah, a, a brilliant, hilarious take as Johnson. Johnson is a very much a comic figure <laughs> in uh, the yeah. right stuff. Yeah, he is. But it's just, it's a great movie, and it's all the stuff that I was just whining about Apollo 13 not being. 
there is is present in this movie. It's not a docudrama by any sense. It's very mythic. It's very big and very poetic. It really paints these astronauts as larger than life figures, but it also humanizes mm-hmm. them. It also shows us their flaws. It shows us their family mm-hmm. problems. It shows us their sort of how ambivalent a lot of them are about their place in history and, you know, and the competition mm-hmm. between them. It's just a, it's a great movie. Um, yeah, like I said, the best astronaut movie ever made. Uh, the the it, right stuff. Well, they, this movie gets right that the that Apollo thirteen gets wrong, is that it really is a show don't tell movie. Yeah. It really is. They t- bother to take the time to develop the main characters, with the exception of maybe White, who barely gets any time on screen yeah. at all. Um, and really gives them character traits and develops them, you know, they give them families, but they give them realistic family kind of things that, that happens in real families. Yeah. It's not mythologized in, in any way, shape, or form. The concessions that some of these wives have to make um, for their husbands to be successful in, in these programs and the complicated relationships between uh, between some of them, like... Uh, uh, Chuck Yeager and oh, his wife. Yes, definitely. Sometimes it's it, it, if you don't know, it's, sometimes it's even hard to tell if they're married at times because they're so mm-hmm. adversarial and their relationship is so mysterious in a lot of those scenes. But I mean, for example, when Chuck Yeager breaks the sound barrier, we don't have cutaways to reporters explaining what he's doing and why it's dangerous and how many people have died or any of the they do it through dialogue that we pick up on like when when uh hot dog uh, yeah. uh comes into the to the what is it chappies rough hide rough house oh, the, the or happy, whatever it's the called. Happy, happy bottom riding club yeah happy bottom riding yeah. club and and uh he's was it him that's saying i'm gonna get my picture up on yeah. that wall we as an audience already know who's up on that wall and they're all dead mm. pilots so we get it we understand and there, no one outright told us no one, no one said, well, time to put up another dead pilot up on that wall because that's where we honor him. We never, we're never told that. We're shown yeah. that. And we get it. This movie trusts us to be following the plot <laughs> and, and understanding, you know. And there are a couple of parts where they go off book. Yeah. Like when uh, John Glenn has his mystical experience with the Aborigine lights. Yeah. I'm not even going to explain that, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> but but see, that's an example of something that this movie does that it 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 elevates a lot of it into the the realm of poetry, because that, that yeah. Glenn sequence you just referenced, there's no explanation given for that at all. There's just cross cutting no. between two things that in real life are totally unrelated, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it melds them into a single image, and it it elevates what's mm-hmm. happening into a very poetic realm and it's not trying to really show you something that's literally happening you know but it it imbues it with a sense of myth and a feeling of meaning that most of Apollo 13 never really approaches and the other thing is that these these astronauts feel like real people you know they they cuss they have a lot of deep flaws well except for one one of them (laughs) one of them is a saint (laughs) one of them is a one of them is too good to be true it is way, he is way too good. This was, I mean, I don't understand how John Glenn did not become president after this movie came out. I know. Um, but yeah, that's a great movie. I'm glad you recommended it. I'm not recommending anything. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs>
Because, you see, one of the things that happened before this show is that he wanted to do that, and I wanted to recommend that movie, <laughs> and now I'm stuck to come up with another freaking astronaut movie, and I can't think oh. of anything. There's that documentary, which is really good. Yeah, I... But I want to stick... Yeah, I don't want to... Documentaries aren't real movies. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody goes to see documentaries. Um, so I was going to recommend Gravity... But I have problems with gravity. Um, just a few. Um, like, uh, she's flying in the most convenient space ever. <laughs> <laughs> Where everything's super close together. Yeah. And she can, you know, operate a Chinese module and a whole bunch of other stuff. You've seen, I mean, everyone saw gravity. Everyone went to go see that because yeah. of how beautiful of a film it was, I guess. Um, but I mean that movie has everything it's got ghosts and um, it's got uh, voices from uh, from uh, beyond that talk to her and uh, what else it's got the stuff that smashes up and blows up and the up. astronauts are incredibly attractive oh. people oh god yeah they're, they're the hottest <laughs> astronauts ever and and it's a thrilling adventure ride. It's everything awful that could possibly happen in space. It is a disaster film yeah. in space. Um, where only one person survives. And it's, of course, Sandra Bullock. Because we can't ever have a movie where Sandra Bullock dies. <laughs> I don't think there is a movie that where Sandra Bullock dies. We live dies. in hope. As many as there are movies where I wish she would die, there's none that I can think of. <laughs> Damn it, she's going to survive this movie, isn't she? Ah, no, so I was going to recommend Gravity, but I was like, oh, I don't know. I have problems with the movie. It is a fun movie. It is. It is interesting. It is related to the film that we just reviewed. Um, so, uh, the last Starfighter. <laughs> Speaking of docudramas, that's about a space. That's about a spaceman who has to go through a training program of sorts. <laughs> And he goes up into space, and there's a disaster, and he's not trained, and um, he returns home successfully. Oh, yeah, and there's a duplicate robot and a Zandozan, which is an interstellar hit beast. Why I remember that? <laughs> I haven't seen the movie in at least ten years. Um, Bob Preston's in it as the most unconvincing alien ever. He's reprising ever. his role from The Music Man. Yeah, he's reprising his role from Victor Victoria. <laughs> um, and uh, if you haven't seen The Last Starfighter, that's one of those movies where you go for the story and not the special effects. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Did I just get away with recommending two films? I'm not going to stop. Hey, kids, go out and watch The Last Starfighter and Gravity back to back. One has cutting edge special effects, and the other one has cutting edge special effects for 1986. <laughs> and stars nobody other than Bob Preston as, uh, what was his name? Oh, what was, yeah, he had a space name, didn't he? He had a space name. And it was it was very space it was, name like, yeah. it was like Quasar or it was Andromeda or something like that. I can't remember. Centauri. Centauri. I'm not, Centauri. There you go. Not to be confused with the Babylon Five dudes. No, definitely would, not. Would have made a much different movie. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> You've you've mastered a little yeah, was, game. Eh? Imagine the last Starfighter with Ambassador Malari 
in the <laughs> instead of Centauri played by Bob Preston. I'm going to space now. Oh no no no! <laughs> you are going to buy me a drink. Yes? <laughs> wow! No one is listening to us anymore. <laughs> like holy we'll shit! Discuss how they we're love going Babylon Five. <laughs> Stay tuned for our next podcast, the Bab- Babylon Cast, where we review every episode of Babylon Five. Oh my god! I do it. I do it in a minute. Don't think he's not serious, folks. I'll do it. I'll drag. I'll drag Steve into it with me. I am not fucking around. We will record every episode. <laughs> if we could make it through the first season of that, we would be skating from that point on. No, oh, we'd have to skip season one and season five. <laughs> We'd have to stick to the core. We'll, we'll, we have we'll review to, we'd... the good middle part. <laughs> well, it's like an Oreo cookie. Yeah, that's true. You just eat the good part out of the middle, and then you throw the cookie yeah. part away. Um, wow. You know, we've gone on so many weird tangents on this review. I think like 85% of this review has nothing to do with Apollo 13 at all. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, so long as I'm still recommending stuff, how about uh, Fire Out Space Nuts? I don't even know if that's a real thing. I'm just recommending it. Go try to find it. Fire Out Space Nuts. It's probably a real TV show somewhere. Yeah. Isn't that the one with Ruth Buzzy and, and uh, Gomer Pyle? Were there aliens? I don't well, remember. Well, as long as we're doing that, I would like to recommend the Pigs in Space sketches from The Muppet Show. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought they were just spectacular. <laughs> Stop us or we will recommend again. <laughs> All right. So, do you agree with our recommendations? Are you upset about what I said about Chewbacca? Do you disagree with Steve and his right stuff stuff? <laughs> um, if you do, leave a comment uh, down below or make a recommendation. Someone just made a recommend. Uh, someone asked us to review something... Um, in the last one, and I think we're going to yeah, do it. so see, there is hope. And I th- I think we should plug okay. it, too. Really lock ourselves into it. So if we change our minds, we'll look <laughs> like real assholes. <laughs> yeah, why not? We're going to do that classic sci-fi film, Logan's Run. And I think that's a perfect fit, because so many people reference yeah. Logan's Run. And I don't know how many people have actually seen Logan's Run. I think they know what the plot is, but I don't think anyone It's not it. about Wolverine, by the way. Wolverine is not oh in it. God. Wait, great. Now we just lost everyone who was like, oh, there's a Wolverine movie we never is that saw? that movie where Wolverine runs a marathon? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's, you know, he's forced to fight uh, uh, people in, like, a gladiatorial combat. <laughs> yeah. And he's, and he's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, my God. We're really cross What a train now. wreck that would be. What are you doing, Bob? <laughs> I am going to totally murder you, uh, Bob. <laughs> Arnold's Wolverine characterization is not one of the more complete of his career. I'm going to make these claws pop out of my hands, in which I will then kill yeah, you with they them. Are, now they are the claws. You did not believe me, but there they are. <laughs> now I will kill you. We're never ending this podcast. We t- <laughs> All right. So, uh, until next time, this has been Jason Harding. And Steve Shives. And go see a movie this week. And this is the crew of the Late Seating Podcast, wishing all of you back on Earth a pleasant evening. 
We're all gonna die. <laughs> Did I mention that? 